you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody, let's talk a little bit about Fathead, because that's what this episode is sponsored by. Okay, let's talk about it. Fathead, real big wall decals are life-size action images that you could stick on any smooth surface. Choose from hundreds of officially licensed athletes, team logos, and entertainment images, or create your create your own with our own customizable options made of durable Greg? bananas vinyl you can move and reuse fathead wall graphics are better bigger and tougher than old school poster or sticker uh mark yes. you're an old timer um you had like a bo Derek poster back in the day <laughs> But now it's not about no, posters. Not. It's about fatheads on the wall. They are a proud sponsor, and we're proud to have them aboard. Yes. Designed and printed in the good old U.S. of A., your fathead wall decor is sure to amaze. So go to www.fathead.com slash around to place your order and get 20% off site-wide. The Around the NFL podcast is saving it for the religious podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey, Chris. The flagship edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head & Shoulders. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I'm in a little bit of a bad mood. Uh, You have a right to be. A little bit. Yeah, because uh, I know it's, you know, free food. And we're not supposed to complain. But oh. uh, the this, wild boar. This is the reason. Wild I boar. I thought you were going to talk about the, the football developments. There were some downing, downers that happened. I'm getting there, Greg. Let, okay. the, let the bit okay. play out, okay? okay. <laughs> wild boar ragu, cheesy polenta being served for dinner today. Sounds good. Really testing the limits of what we can complain about in terms of free food today. It's, uh, it's become apparent to us over the past three, four weeks, if not longer, that 
what we thought was uh, meals, and we appreciate that they cost no money, uh, thought that they were being delivered from local eateries, are simply probably being made in the warehouse space. pulling back space, the curtain? The warehouse space behind uh, our own in-house cafeteria. Mm. That's that's the behind. That's that's some an good scoopage there. Good scoopage there, Mark. I may not be right. I'm not saying it's triple source. It's just um, whispers. Okay. Now the bit you took it deep, which was a nice deep dive. Okay. But I'm also in a bad mood because it looks like we lost another superstar quarterback. This time, Carson Wentz and West. This one hurts. He was the most fun player to watch this year. I thought. I, if previously Deshaun Watson was the most fun player to watch, or Aaron Rodgers, or Andrew Luck, they're all all the fun players have been struck down, smited by the injury gods. We should know as we tape this. Our guy Ian Rapport said the Eagles fear. It's a season-ending injury. ESPN had a very similar report. I feel like one in every 25 of these fears mm. where it's not confirmed end up being wrong. I like Pretty the arbitrary number there, right. 25. Maybe one in 50. I like it's 38. happened. It's happened. Yeah. Was it Ryan Tannehill last December? Right. That's, that's a, a good one. That's a good example. Uh, of course, he didn't play again. I like how the football gods spared Ryan Tannehill, yeah. at least temporarily. I don't know. I'm just hope. I'm These hopeful. gods are evil. We've learned. I'm hopeful. They're the worst. These are Old Testament gods. Yes, they They're are. They're the worst. And, Mark, we, we talked about this. You know, we're sad fans of our teams. You know, screw the football gods. And what can you do to me? You can't do anything more, so whatever. Right. I, oh. I, I curse at them, and what are you going to do? Make, thing, do make life even, even uglier for our teams? But I will say one thing about it's not just that Carson Wentz, to me, was the most fun player to watch at this point in the season. The Eagles were the team I enjoyed watching the most. Sure. And when you replace Carson Wentz with Nick Foles, the fun quotient dives into the, deep into the earth. Rather have Nick Shook behind center, to be quite honest sure. with you. Anyway, that would be an interesting watch. We got we got a lot of games to get to, and let's start there. There's no better place than, to start than at the Los Angeles Coliseum, where Carson Wentz most likely played his final game of 2017. Damn you, football gods! Damn you! Fourth and goal. Wentz time runs out. Passes to Jeffrey for the touchdown. What a catch! Right off the top of the grass, and a new franchise record for Philadelphia's Carson Wentz has his. 33rd touchdown of the season. Joe Buck with the call on Fox there. Yes, was that the final pass of Carson Wentz's magnificent sophomore season? The Eagles star threw for four touchdowns before exiting with a potentially serious knee injury. The Eagles showed some gumption without their star, forcing a big Jared Goff turnover that led to a go-ahead field goal. Uh, They tacked on some late points with some special teams shenanigans, a 43-35 win at the Coliseum. Mark? Here was the textbook definition of, oh boy, am I going to pronounce this one right? A Pyrrhic victory. Mm. A Chris Wesling, uh, you know, I, a Chris did not come up with this term, but I you. I believe Plutarch did. There you go. So it's someone who. Pyrrhic? Uh, did I get it? Yeah, Pyrrhic. I Pyrrhic. think you nailed it. Uh, I was worried it might have been Pyrrhic. Plutarch, a couple generations older than, uh, than Wes and myself. <laughs> Is that the guy from Animal House? No. I'm not sure about that. Okay, no, I think, believe he's a, an important historical victory in ancient war times. Oh. Go ahead, not, not in America, but... 280 BC. What a killer loss for the Rams, and, and, but yet a, 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 you look at this Eagles season, and they're 11-2. and two. In any other scenario where Wentz had survived this game, you have essentially won your division, and you've basically told the rest of the NFC, it's us and it's everyone else. And now we're looking at a team that could capture the first round by here because their, their slate down the stretch is manageable, to say the least, and yet the air is completely out of the balloon. 
it it's really strange because this result in this game mattered so much to this season. Like that the Eagles winning the game after Foles came in almost feels like an afterthought, but it was a big achievement, not just for Foles, who hit a third down or two, but ultimately uh, it was the running game and the defense. Chris Long with a, a massive play. This game really could have changed the NFC picture if the Rams could have figured out a way to do it. Now the Eagles get a chance, like you said, Mark, to to win some games. And I don't think this is a situation where they're like the Raiders last year and their season's just over. They've got a very good defense. Uh, one of the best in the league. They've got a very good running game, and I think Nick Foles could be one of the better backups in the league. That's a low bar, but he could be in that system. So I don't think they're necessarily cupcakes. It's devastating. They're not fun, but I I don't think they're necessarily out of the NFC picture, especially because I expect them to be the one seed now. So you'd say they are much closer to the Case Keenum Vikings than the last year's Raiders. Like if the Vikings can be a Super Bowl contender with Case Keenum, why can't the Eagles with home field be a contender, at least to, to to play a team like the Saints or the Vikings, whoever it is, pretty tight. That's, that's, it's looking far ahead, I know. And that's why if you're an Eagles fan, and I commend you if you're even listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> this would be one of those shows where I would just I would need to go underground as oh, a, yeah. a sports fan when something this bad happens. You're, now your hope goes from – it goes from, and Colleen's a big Eagles fan, and all season she kind of had a, a take about this team that – lined up probably with a lot of Eagles fans, which was like, I don't even know how to process this. I'm just really nervous something bad's going to happen because things are going too well. And that's exactly what's happened. So now they're in a position, if you're an Eagles fan, where you need Nick Foles to pull a Case Keenum to, for them really to be a Super Bowl contender still, and that is a hard thing to pull off. Maybe they won't be horrible like what happened with the Raiders, but still, you're asking a lot now. Well, maybe they won't be horrible like the Packers were. I will say one thing about Eagles fans. I was out on Friday, our day off, and three different places in LA around town swarming with Eagles fans. People kill the Eagles fans historically saying they're throwing batteries and they want to bite Santa's nose off all this they stuff. They did. They did they, that stuff. They, they travel well. They travel they well. They bite and, Santa's nose off? Yeah, imagine no, they booed guys. Santa, Mark. Well, that's, that's, that's what we know. We don't know what <laughs> strange, else they did to Santa. Your how, many, how, many of you, how many of you have seen Santa in person? We don't know what the state of his nose is. But I will say this. <laughs> all those Eagles fans flying home tonight... Mm. Can you imagine where they are compared to where they were four hours ago? Their linebacker, Nigel Bradham, said after the game that Carson Wentz is our everything. Mm. He's like, I guess that makes him the sun god, right? Ra? I mean, that's our everything is pretty high praise. And the sad thing is, like, this game, I think, showed – I know the score was close, but I really felt like the Eagles were the better team in this game. They end up with 455 yards to just 300 for the Rams. I felt like the Rams had that special teams touchdown, which helped keep them in it. And ultimately, like, the Eagles are a better team. And yet, I don't know. Like, what is it? What does it matter? Now? Hopefully, when Pyrrhic victory, when we wake up tomorrow, this pod will be out of date because, like, oh, actually, it's not a tear. But <laughs> you have to operate under the reports that are very ominous that th- this is the end of the road for Wentz, and it's just depressing for the, for the Rams. They had some really key. This was a. a- Big setback for them. Not only could have they gotten into the number one seed for the NFC. What are you doing? Some uh, calculations right now? Are you breaking out the Greg Rosenthal calculator? I really wasn't. Oh wow, we're, we're dialing up a uh, Rosenthal playoff calculator now online. <laughs> All right, Greg running on a 1987 modem. I was gonna go into online it. with the machine. I was gonna go a different route, mentioning the the two cornerback uh, that. Oh, got that hurt, doesn't including yeah. one for the year. But now since you know the. Ta- Tabulator is out. Seahawks-Rams next week. NFC West, of course, on the line in Seattle. 
Rams win that game, you still got a pretty good chance at a bye. That's it. Kayvon Webster out for the Deep year. Deep math from Greg. Yeah, I'm not sure anyway. how any of us could have come Just up with that, that. Kayvon Webster <laughs> out for the year. Tremaine Johnson concussion. Well, that, that wasn't really Greg's fault. That wasn't. Let us know when you actually have some tabulations. It's early. Yeah. We're when, running on that modem. Information will be coming you know, three or four hours. From still. Here's the reality. In the NFC now, there's, there's a million scenarios. All these teams are still playing each other. Oh, good. <laughs> Greg Rosenthal playoff calculator now online. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Newton fakes to Stewart. We'll run it in the field. Good move. 40, 45, 50. Newton to the 40. Newton to the That's 30. Fun. Newton to the 15. <laughs> Taken down the 8-yard line. <laughs> Woo! Oh, my goodness. How to come up with a play like that? Oh, Mick Mixon and his friend of WBT with the call there. Cam Newton's 62-yard jaunt stuck a fork in a spirited Vikings comeback as the Panthers escaped with a huge 31-24 win in Charlotte, snapping Minnesota's eight-game winning streak. Uh, Wes, you don't always know what version of the Panthers you're going to get. Today we got the version that could beat anybody in the NFC. It was basically three big plays. Jonathan Stewart went untouched 60 yards on third and one uh, to kick off the scoring, I believe on the Panthers' first drive. That was a big play. Cam Newton did a, his typical escape artist routine in the pocket to open up the second half and hit Devin Funches for a touchdown. And then that 62-yard uh, jaunt that you described mm. where he put a hell of a juke move on Andrew <laughs> Sendejo. He ended Sendejo. <laughs> he ended Sendejo. Those were the three big plays, and, the, and then the Vikings – I don't know if self-destruct is, is the is the right word, but they made a lot of key mistakes, including big drops by Kyle Rudolph, Stefan Diggs, and Adam mm. Thielen. Hmm. You don't expect that the way this season has gone so far. I thought Keenum played much better than his stat line would show. Uh, he brought them back a couple of times in the fourth quarter and was undone by mistakes. In terms and by of, an offensive line that was just ravaged by injuries. We just talked about two other NFC powers Coming out of it, does it raise or lower in, you know, in a considerable way your faith in either team? I would say that I think a little bit differently about the Vikings because if you look hard enough, you see two chinks in their armor. They By the end of the game, they're playing without three-fifths of their offensive line. Mike Remmers, their right tackle, has been out for a while. Their starting center, Pat Elfline, did not play. And then left tackle, Riley Reif, suffered an ankle injury during mm. the game. And That's huge. Keenum was sacked six times today. Hmm. His first nine starts of the season, he had only been sacked five times total. So this was a totally different operation they were running. And then their kicker, Kai Forbath, hmm. appears to have the yips. He's missed five kicks in the last four weeks. Kai's Kai. The Vikings, I mean, the Panthers, when they can run the ball, are a very dangerous team. I mean, the Vikings today couldn't run it at all. McKinnon leads them with... 46 yards, and maybe it was just the big plays, but that's like kind of all they need with their defensive line in Carolina. I give the Vikings a pass, though. We went into week 11 looking at the Vikings saying, wow, we're going to learn a lot about the Vikings over the next four weeks. They have the Rams and then three road games against NFC playoff contenders, the Lions, Atlanta, Carolina. You went three and one. And uh, I think ultimately, you know, you, you looked very good doing it. The rest of their schedule is not tough. They have a chance to get the one seed now. Uh, if the Eagles were to slip up with, with Foles, and they're in, in good position to get the bye. And if you're Carolina, you're asking, speaking of the football gods, you go into Green Bay or you have Green Bay next week, and you're getting Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers versus what would have been, you know, a sort of 
a dead in Green Bay team that it could have been easily flattened here. Nice landing spot next week. They get to go come home and face Cincinnati, who looked terrible this week, and may, might be a dead team walking at this point. So you you assume if they could get the, right the ship a little bit, get to eleven and three, and then you got the Bears in the finale. They're still in really good shape. That's the Vikings, yeah, yeah. And the pa- I mean, you the Panthers have a chance now to get a bye as well. I mean, they are tied for the division lead in the NFC South, even though it's been ugly at times. They are right there in it, and I, I like seeing in this game Mario Addison, Julius Peppers both seem to have really good games. Addison's played well the last couple weeks. Like, that needs to be their identity. And Newton didn't have a big passing game today, but that run is just a reminder that he is completely unique in terms of what he can do with the game on the line. So even even when he's not sharp throwing the ball or they, they're not having a great day, he's always capable of stuff like that. That was a big-time run mm. with the Vikings looking like they were poised to maybe steal that game, and, and Newton just said, nope. Well, that, that's why I say that I, my opinion on the Panthers wasn't really changed. Addison and Peppers played great, sure. It was against a decimated offensive line, too. Sure. And then on, on offense, you know, 60 of Jonathan Stewart's 103 yards came on one play. 62 of Cam Newton's 70 rushing yards came on one play, and he only had 137 passing. Mm. It was just the big plays, and I don't know if you can count on that every week. What a year for the Dirty South. Finally, my uh, obsession with the NFC South is coming <laughs> it's home. paid off after what a, half a decade. What a, what a year for a two 9-4 teams. You got the Falcons at 8-5. and five. It's fun. Let's Congratulations, talk Greg. Uh, let's move on. Check in on another uh, NFC playoff hopeful. And Blake Bortles, who has played well superpower. Deep, and he's got it! Keelan Cole! Touchdown, Jacksonville! 75 yards! Chris Myers with Fox. Blake Bortles on target all day, throwing for two touchdowns, and the Jaguars' defense made big plays when it counted to hold off the Seattle Seahawks 30-24 to at the chlorine pit. Greg, once again, the Jaguars author a performance that makes you think maybe, just maybe, this is a formula formula they could replicate for a few weeks in January. This was the biggest win in the Jaguars organization in a decade. I don't even think it's not a hot take. There's no debate. It was also the win this year that started to... I think maybe we'll convince people nationally like that this is a legitimate, dangerous team in the NF- AFC because Bortles is absolutely playing better. And I don't want to hear from Seahawks fans that mention that the Jaguars got some breaks in this game. Bobby Wagner uh, went out with a hamstring injury in the second half. K.J. Wright went out with an injury late in the game. Th- that was all important. But the Jaguars were winning this game in a balanced way where the defense – kind of started to collapse in the fourth quarter when Russell Wilson started doing his thing two play dry two drives that took only one or two plays and the Jaguars offense did their job they had a 5 minute drive they picked up first downs when they needed to Leonard Fournette closes out the game with a third and 11 run essentially and it's a balanced team they're good enough on offense to beat pretty good teams i i was i watched the end of this game and it's not the first time i've seen Pete Carroll Seahawks totally lose their composure yes. oh, and act like absolutely. sore losers. Michael Bennett might, I don't know, he might be suspended for I, that I think he might. ridiculous takedown of Brandon Linder. Total stunner that Michael Bennett didn't handle losing well. Again. <laughs> Whoa. This has happened a few too many times with Pete Carroll's teams. Quentin Jefferson yeah. tried to go into the stands. It was, I mean, it was embarrassing for the season. That got a little, that got a little scary for a second because you got the malice in the palace flashbacks there. We do not want the 300-pound lineman jumping into the audience to, to beat up on a portly fan. Like, yeah, we, we didn't were, want that. We were watching that together, and you're, you're watching what could be potentially 
10 to 15 NFL.com posts this week know, and another step. If you're, you, might have a few, you might still have three or four from still. this game, I think. You're 9-4, and four, you're Jacksonville. You have the Texans next week, and then you go play the 49ers. You could easily be 11-4 and four heading into that final week showdown with the, te- with the Titans, and if the Titans don't get their act together, maybe you've won the division by then. Right, I think maybe they have, and... They're, they could even theoretically get in the mix for a buy, more likely. A 12 season. wins I, I think put today, them in the mix? Today was huge for the, the AFC South, and you see their confidence. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, who Wes has talked up as his defensive player of the year, had a good game. A.J. Bouye was even better. I mean, the two of them together just play with such an incredible confidence. Bouye had uh, two interceptions. They picked off Russell Wilson three times overall. At one point, Russell Wilson was 9 for 17 for 36 yards in two interceptions. That That is midway through the third quarter, and then he got it going kind of like he always does, but it was it was too little at and that point. To Seattle's credit, or excuse me, to Jacksonville's credit, Russell Wilson started to look like he was going to do one of those things and steal another game, and Jacksonville stepped up and got the stop they and got then the, ran the clock out. That yeah, was, they got the ball back with, football. with four or five minutes to go, only down six, which it looked like yeah, they were not going to be in a position to do that. There were some blown coverages by the Jaguars. Blakeboard, I mean, th- this team is feeling themselves. After the game, he said, we're just like teams aren't used to this coming down here. We beat the crap out of them. Don't. For Blake 60 Bortles. Minutes, he we, said, yeah, we beat the crap out of them for 60 minutes. Blake Bortles. Very confident. Don't, don't get too confident, though, Blake. A lot of football. <laughs> okay, I like it. Two good games, two good games in a row, no doubt about I, it. Be, be confident. That's important in sports. He, I'll get too confident. Also, on a big third down and 13, they decided to run the ball with Fournette instead of Bortles. And then on a third and 11, third, yep. they ran it to Fournette again. We, so they don't trust We brought up the same play. It was yeah. a beguiling call, yet it shows you where the coach is. And then is. in the end, it worked. Like in the next drive, Bortles, it should be said, though, is playing better. I mean, he has made good decisions and for the most part made pretty good throws the last few weeks. Special things happening down in the chlorine pit. Let's move on and check in with another NFC hopeful. Third down and six from the 25 of Cleveland. Williams alone back. Quick toss. Adams left side. Spins loose. Got the first down. Oh and more to the end zone for the touchdown. And the Packers have won in overtime again. <laughs> Devontae Adams, a walk-off 25-yard touchdown reception. Brett Hundley to Devontae Adams in overtime. Did it for the Packers, who rallied back from two touchdowns down in the final quarter. Uh, a 27-21 to 21 win in overtime over the Browns, who fall to 0-13 in cruel fashion. That is two straight overtime victories for the Packers. And um, Nick Shook now joins us. Uh, Nick Shook, of course, uh, Ohio native, wrote about this game on NFL.com. And um, for much of this contest, Shook, it looked like the Packers were going to blow a golden opportunity, but the Browns opened the door, and now it's Aaron Rodgers set to walk back into the NFC playoff race. I actually wrote a lot more and had to. I was told to go back and cut it down a little bit, change the tone a little bit. Uh, mm. to Who told you that? Ouch! From ranting, uh, shadowy league figures did, mm. of course. Now, uh, <laughs> I mean, what a game for the Packers who for three quarters looked like they didn't care if they were, you know, wanted to be in the playoff picture at all. They didn't care that Aaron Rodgers, you know, was set set to come back next week and looked like they were sleepwalking through the thing. And then somebody woke him up and said, hey, you're going to lose to the winless team here. You're going to be the guys. You're going to be the 2016 Chargers. You better fix that. And luckily for them, they did. Yeah. And Wes, 
I guess we should give it up to Brett Hundley, who's up and down. But at the end of the day, he gets the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, barring a setback, 7-6, and six, and they're still alive. It, it looked like it was going to be a lot worse. And with a few good performances, including the end of this game, he kind of kept his team in it, and that's what they wanted him to do. Would you mind if I gave it up for Devontae Adams instead? <laughs> Go ahead. Do it. I feel like Devontae Adams, Greg's mentioned this before, has earned himself a lot of money, and the Packers are going to have some decisions to make because they've already paid Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, two receivers who aren't as good as Devontae Adams. Right. I mean, the difference between Adams and Nelson has showed up even more with Brett Hundley because Adam can, can make plays on his own. He is a huge reason why they've won any of the three games that they have with with uh, with Brett Hundley. 95% of wide receivers in the NFL, maybe more on that game-ending play, gets spun down after a three- or four-yard game. Really, it was almost looked like a play where they were just trying to get close for a field goal, but when you have a player as special as Adams, he turns it into the touchdown. He goes right up the tunnel. Great tunnel move. You know, we, we've seen players go up the tunnel uh, after a big play. Yeah. And sometimes it's not so organic. This time, the tunnel was right there. Devonta Adams runs up the tunnel. And it's overtime, too. And it's, so it's overtime. Like you're done. The game is over, and it's like, let's get out of here. And I wrote about this on NFL.com. Organic in the sense there's a tunnel. It's, the game's over. It's time to go home. Symbolic in, hey, guys, let's get the hell out of Cleveland. Let's get back on the plane because Aaron Rodgers is going to play with us now. Yeah. If you got to be excited if you're on the Packers, they must be flying on that plane because – they saved their season when it all seemed lost in a really embarrassing way. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, the playoffs begin right away because you have the Panthers and then you have the Vikings. Still has to get medically cleared, which Ian Rappaport, the NFL media insider, said. I think well, we could I, just call him Ian at this point. Yeah, or rap sheet. I thought that was a bit. I guess it's been oh, like four it? years. Okay. I don't know. Uh, they <laughs> NFL Network. He's looking, I was, was going to say it's NFL Network. In oh, that's now. right. <laughs> they he said Rogers looked great at practice, but that the doctor's test of how strong the bone is really has nothing to do with that. Well, wouldn't we? Don't you feel like we would have heard something somewhere that there's some measured doubt or concern that he might? I mean, all we're hearing is glowing reports. If suddenly he weren't cleared, I mean, you got to be you got to be kidding, kidding me with that concept. He's really raised the stakes on his relax and run the table bit. Those in those <laughs> scenarios, like all they had to do was control yeah. their own destiny. Now they need some help for him to come in and but save the day. You know what the Seahawks I think helped I think it felt like the end of some it's funny how much things can change in a week and maybe this is an overreaction too. But the Seahawks losing Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, we'll see how serious those are, and losing this game. They feel like they're gonna be I feel like they're gonna fall out of it. And so that's one team. You still got to pass the Falcons, but most likely. You, you, if the be Seahawks tough. beat the Rams next week, all bets are off. Right, but I don't think they will. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm kind of with Greg on this because I, I went into last week's Sunday night game expecting that game to be the Seahawks fall off, where they would mm-hmm. just get destroyed by the Eagles, and obviously that didn't happen. But are, it, dep- it depends if Wagner comes back. Are they playing in Seattle? They are. Everything you guys changes. Are writing off the Seahawks in Seattle. No, Everything I'm not. Changes. I'm not. I'm not. But if Wagner, you know, we talked about Wentz could have been the MVP. Bobby Wagner could have been the defensive player of the year, and he that yeah. looked like an injury that might keep him out for a long time. That is a big-time injury. And now you got the Packers coming in, and you do feel like – like what, would, what did you rant about, by the way? I want to – No, let, me, let me set this up. So you now we got Shook and Sessler together. The rant was about the Browns oh, of course. letting <laughs> a golden opportunity to get on the board slip away, and now there's only three chances left to avoid infamy. There it is. I was waiting for that. I actually had to go through uh, a multi-stage process today with this one. <laughs> Usually, like, 
The Browns <laughs> lose the game, and I'm like, yeah, you know, they're a young team. They're not good. You know, this and that. But Mark, stand by. You're on deck. This game gave me more hope in this season than I've had since they won their one win last season. And then they ripped it all Sad. away. There's a stat that I, t- I quote tweeted somebody on today. They had something like 22 last play walk-off losses since 1999. Four in Hugh Jackson's time. And you wonder why when they're up by two touchdowns and people are coming to the newsroom and sitting down next to me and me and Mark are you know, looking at each other across the newsroom thinking, oh, this might be it. And they're saying, they hey, the, the Browns are going to do it. The Browns are going to do it. They're going to win. I say, Shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. Shut you your just, mouth when you're talking to me. You just jinxed them. You and, don't want Shook saying that to you either. And it happened again today. Well, I don't think either one of us at one point were greatly con- – we, no. we went and talked to each other like four times. Two things have to happen. I think we. it's so dark at this point that you can't come out of this – with the Giants grabbing the number one pick and getting at that, you know, in April a consensus number one quarterback. Don't have, have to worry s- about that now. No, I, I think that this this took care of that. But now something attached to that is pretty dark because you have the Ravens, the Bears in Chicago, who just wiped out Cincinnati today, and then you go on the road to play Pittsburgh. Zero sixteen is. It's not just on the horizon, potentially. It feels like it would be shocking if it doesn't happen. And I wonder if that will be enough for Cleveland to go from number two back to number one on Dan's pain <laughs> rankings. I wonder what more Cleveland would need to do to get that number one spot again. Would, it's been a bit be. of a – because the number one team is the Chargers, and they're kind uh, of the friskiest team in the AFC right now. The so. Chargers, it was more a, a, um, a statement on the people of San Diego. We were, but but it's funny because when that came out back then, we were. I like how that is stuck in your craw. Though. Oh, it absolutely has because I was I was I had ears on the entire conversation that made that happen, and I kept telling you guys, stop acting like Cleveland is this upstart team that's about to reel off nine victories before even September's hit, and. You know, we're you're, all, you're 0 and 13 at this point. A couple of days ago, though, you're very optimistic about the future. And if you want to improve your team and improve your coaching staff, 0 and 16 is, would be infamy. And I hope it doesn't happen. And maybe this will happen at 1 and 15 too. But you might get a bad coach out of there because I'm not sure. Like this is another example of a, a team that should have won a game that lost the game. And at some point, doesn't that come down to coaching on some level? Pro Football Talk reporting tonight that a lot of people believe, even though Jimmy Haslam says Hugh Jackson's back, that John Dorsey uh, is going to try to convince him that to get his own coach, which is the earliest possible power struggle in NFL history. <laughs> well, here's We're two one days thing. in. One thing, We're two though, days in. When they, they cut away to Haslam and John Dorsey yeah, sitting yeah. together like eight times, and Dorsey every time is talking nonstop. So I, I think it's very possible, and I think that actually if Haslam – you know, wanted to show some faith in his new hire that maybe there's a reason you don't bring Hugh Jackson back. There's been too many games like this. Um, one final point. Unfortunately, I could never change the pain rankings because I was told the shadowy league figures not to write about the pain. Oh, that's, that's it. San Diego oh, that's it. forever. Well, San Diego forever. You know what? Justice is served. <laughs> They're uh, all out surfing right now. They don't they get, care. They get nice weather. Yeah. They have an 80-degree Christmas. What do they care? San Diego, people from San Diego hate when people not from San Diego say that. It's like, you shouldn't have to worry about anything. You yeah. can surf. Rough, like, what? Rough what if I don't surf? <laughs> what a rough life they have. Uh, all right, let's move on. One more thing. The Eagles, you brought up Carson Wentz again. This a report from Adam Schefter. Carson Wentz's ACL was loose when it was tested manually today, which is why the team fears it's torn. Wentz is scheduled to undergo an MRI in Philly on Monday. That according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. So as we get the drips and drabs of the Carson Wentz situation, we'll share it on this podcast. 
Moving up. Second and five. Back to Prescott's left. This is a blitz, and they throw a slant to Dez, and he caught it and broke away 40, 30, 20. A block from Beasley and into the end zone, and there's your big play. Brad Sham, the Sham God, KRLD, with the call. Dak Prescott threw three touchdown passes, including that 50-yard uh, strike to Des Bryant as the Cowboys kept themselves in the NFC playoff picture with a 30-10 to win over the Giants, who need a lot more than Eli Manning to stay competitive in games against teams that need Ws. Mark, Dak Prescott is playing like a star again. That and the nearing return of Zeke Elliott keeps Dallas in the hope business. Took care of business today, that's for sure. I mean, this game, you could feel, I think, in MetLife Stadium that, you know, when it, it opened and Eli Manning under center, that this MetLife, which is a stadium which has been quiet for the Giants all year, understandably, was raucous for a brief amount of time. The problem is, is that Eli Manning, despite all the, you know, the reputation and the fanfare at this point, is a guy that opened 13 for 15, and all I could think of were the two awful incompletions he threw. And as the game wore on and Dallas got hot and Des Bryant shook off two early drops to streak for a 50-yard touchdown that put that tied the game at 10-10, Dallas just took off from there. The Giants never scored again. Mm. Their defense gives up big plays. And it's Eli Manning has... Not a surprise, zero deep ball at this point. His receivers made a couple incredibly awful drops. They've got nothing else to rely on on that side of the ball, and the better team just utterly took over down the stretch. Giants scored 13 points in two games against the Cowboys. The Cowboys, who have given up more points per drive than any team in football going into last week. I mean, that says all you need to know about the 2017 Giants, but the Cowboys... Found a way to win two ugly division games. They they get the Raiders, who are not looking very good next week. Like It is a little more fun to have them and the Packers in this NFC race, but neither team got a ton of help this week. Especially weekend. with Carson Wentz now probably exiting the picture. Aaron Rodgers and the Cowboys are always fun to have around. One of those teams sneaking in, I would sign off on that. It's like, I just don't know well, what's going to happen. If nothing else... The Week 16 game when Zeke comes back against Seattle, which is on Christmas Eve, mm. like that that feels like it could be a really big game as long as Dallas can ho- take care of business next week against Oakland. That's a home game too, which was set up really nicely for the Cowboys. I think it's hilarious how we look at different teams with very similar records. Like you look at all these teams who are now 7-6 and six after this week, and they're, they're still in the hunt, and they're still in contention, and right. some of them have belief, and then, and then you look at other ones with the same exact record, and you have you know, no confidence in them. I, I can't... Like the Lions, who we'll talk about a little yeah, later. Yeah. No one's talking about them the no. way we're talking about because you've watched Dallas enough and Because Li- you've watched enough Lions games to know, you know, and I don't think this team has it. And I'm not sure if the Cowboys have it. I don't think it. the Cowboys have it For either. three quarters, this was a tie game. Yeah, I mean, well, all, three all I'd say, though, is that they've somehow, over the last two weeks, they've figured out how to live without Ezekiel Elliott. They had their best rushing performance of the season last week. And today, I thought Dak Prescott played one of the best games he's played all year, career high in yardage, and it didn't look, that's no, mis- that, you know, that box score it holds up. That's big. Dallas stays alive. Let's that, check uh, in. Oh, go ahead, Russ. Was that a God-Sham-God reference? I think it might have been. I've been calling him the Sham God for a couple of years now. It must be God Sham God. <laughs> Former Providence point guard? Yeah. yeah great. It, it has to be Sham God. Great elite eight run by uh, God Sham God back in the day. Yes. That's where it's from. All right, cool. I'm glad we figured that out. Speaking of the Lions. Prater's ready from 46. There's the snap by Muehlbach. Spot by Martin. Kick by Prater is up. And it is good. He nailed it. He sure did, Dan Miller, WJR, with the call. Matty Stafford threw for 381 
with that bum hand. Matt Prater hit the 46-yard field goal uh, in the final seconds. And the Detroit Lions, they stay in the race. A 24-21 win over the lowly Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Greg, this is what the Lions do. They hang around, but for how much longer? Who do they play next week? I think that's you want me to tell you? I'll tell you right now. The answer to the question. <laughs> do you want to do some tabulation? They essentially look they look like the same team that we've seen all season, which the is Bears. The, the, home to Bears at Cincy, home to Packers. Ooh. Let's tabulate, baby. Ooh. That's manageable. <laughs> Just looking for excuses. Great percentile playoff calculator now online. Now online. Do Weirdly, I... uh, the calculator now says they've they've won the Super Bowl. Well, wow. bad calculator. They're gonna they're gonna do it. <laughs> this this performance was similar to what they've done all year. With Matthew Stafford made a lot of great plays. Uh, they their defense kind of collapsed at some big spots and allowed a big comeback. There were eight turnovers in this game. I felt like every time I looked up, Jameis Winston or Stafford were turning the ball over. Winston had three. Stafford had two. But at the end of the game, when they needed to, they made the drive for the game-winning field goal. And Matt Prater, your boy Dan, came mm. through. Yeah, and you know, I'm not huge on the, the earring and his general demeanor at a Super Bowl four years ago. Well, we know. But he is an excellent place kicker. Well, i I got to give him that. Okay. How excited should we get about a Lions team that had Amir Abdullah as a healthy scratch today? Really? He was healthy? He's been hurt lately. I, I he, read he earlier that they week. were that it, they thought it was more for performance. Now I'll have to look into that. But they, I mean, come on with this. I they certainly didn't miss him. I thought last week uh, when when they <laughs> fifty three yards rushing. <laughs> like come on, come on with this team. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. They're very. No, he is he team. is a healthy scratch. He was out with an injury last week, and they just kept him on the sideline. How about that? It is. Uh, it's called me doing my homework. I thought he was supposed to be like Gail Sayers. Todd Bowles said, or Barry Sanders. <laughs> well. Guess I guess they're happy to have 2.9 yards rushing in a critical game they, against an NFC opponent. They're they're uh, well. I think Theo Riddick's been a better player for them certainly this year. Their win was typical too because your boy West Glover Quinn made an incredible play for a forced fumble was a key to their victory. And Darius Slay made a great interception. They do have individual players. Eric Ebron had one of the better games of his career. Like they have individual players that you can get excited about. It just doesn't add up to an, enough. It adds up to an eight and eight team. Yeah. they're Schedule makers don't do him any favors making him play the Packers in the last game of the mm. season every year. Ah, yes, the old policy. Let's play the divisional games yeah. last. <laughs> got to do it. Got to do it. Um, all right, there you go. Nick Shook, you are now – luckily, we we had a little miscommunication. Shook was getting into the car to leave Pulled right when uh, I hit him up on our um, uh, IM client that shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> but now you can get back in the car, Shook, and you're going you gonna to go get a pump on? Oh, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's early. Get your pump in. Time to get one on. I have one no one says that. No one has ever said get a pump. No, it is not just it is a hideous well, phrase. Get a pump in. That is normal gym terminology. Yeah, that's, really. Right, thank you. That's get lingo. People are still oh, saying that now, though. It sounds like like something that a meathead. We say it all with. the time, Mark. Hey, I, I'm an, guys like Nick <laughs> and I just like I'm, I'm an undercover meathead. I have one question for you, Dan. Yes, Nick. What kind of earring was Matt Prater wearing? It was a diamond stud mm. in his left ear, I believe. Oh, all right. Which is fine. I mean, whatever. The earring wasn't a big deal. It was the earring in concert with the elitist attitude um, taunting reporters from the little bullpen they had set up at Media Day. Well said. At Super Bowl uh, 47. I'm guarded by Bears. It was like, Matt, first of all, come back to us, bro. <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this again. I talk about Matt Prater's behavior at the Super Bowl 48, 47 Media times, Day like three times every a season. season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. He's your, your outlighter. Yeah, he's my, he's my lighter. Uh, Mar, uh, Wes at Super Bowl 
48 had a run in with Al Leiter at the uh, at the New Jersey Meadowlands. Dan, one that's question. a story for another like, time. Do you feel like at any point there's a level of self like reflection here? You've you've gotten into it with Matthew Prater. You've gotten into it with Bennett, Michael yeah. Bennett. I mean. The common denominator potentially here is a Dan Hansis individual versus just the irritated player. Just let's again look at the two individuals. In okay, this case. you have a strong look case at what there. Michael Bennett did today. Look what he did to the is reporter is with cancer last season, and then look what he said about my genitals. Strong a case. Few years early. <laughs> I can only hope to one day roam among notable public figures and try to. Uh, did I ever shook? We'd love it. Them. Did I ever tell you about the time I wore an earring to a job interview? What? <laughs> Wait, I'm going to guess Wes's earring. You had the hoop. The earring I wore to the interview was the diamond stud, but I actually <laughs> I had one of those crucifix earrings that Barry Bonds had. Oh, no. <laughs> this was like 1996, I Wait, think. I was a mailman. Is there a picture? Do you have any photographic evidence of this time of your life? Because we got to put it on the uh, Twitter. I don't know if I have any pictures like in L.A. You had a Barry Bonds <laughs> crucifix earring i did this is the most amazing revelation i've ever religious. heard this is breaking news were, were you interviewing at a charity i was interviewing at a law firm like the most conservative law firm in cincinnati you well you're a god-fearing man at and least they gave you the job she gave me the job and she said let me give you a piece of advice <laughs> never ever wear an earring to a job interview again it's like but I can go 40 40 if i could just get the chance <laughs> all right nick show get that pump in all right see you, you get a pump on you drink your protein shake. You put on one of those belts, and uh, maybe put a bandana on if you're shook. Got to get on your weightlifting gloves once you get lift the, the kind of weight on. that shook lifts. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to treat yourself right, or your body will betray you. But shook's body is not betraying him, and that's just a compliment. I took the work of uh, the workforce seminar about sexual harassment. Nick Shook is a healthy individual. That's all I'm saying. Mm. That's it. Complimentary. Kendrick West is. That's all. You can, please, play, please, let's move Lindsay on. Lindsay feeling the temperature of the room correctly. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't hold back. No. He'll get a right side run at the 10. Inside the 5. He's Truck got Kendrick a hot pot. Dragging Raiders all the way into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Skittles in the sweet nectar of the end zone on a 13-yard right side run. Hmm. Uh, Mitch Holtus of KCFX with the call. Uh, the Chiefs are off the schneid. Kareem Hunt <clears throat> ran for 116 yards and a touchdown. Excuse me. And the Chiefs shut down Derek Carr and the Raiders um, in a 26-15 win. Um, Kansas City's losing streak over at four. They right the ship a little bit here as we head toward the final games of the season. Oakland, meanwhile, pulled another uh, no-show in a game with big stakes. Greg. How will you remember the 2017 Raiders? As a team that didn't show up to their biggest games, that not only didn't win those games, but weren't competitive, that stepped on the field against a team in free fall in Kansas City and was so clearly outcoached. And this is what I think we've been saying when we've had some faith that Andy Reid will figure out a way to right the ship. Ultimately, the mismatch of Andy Reid and Nagy, their offensive coordinator, against the Raiders' defense. And whatever they were doing defensively to slow down Oakland and the lack of you know, solutions that Oakland could come up with, I think was the difference. Because the players aren't any better 
on Kansas City than Oakland. And this was a very one-sided game. The final score is really misleading. It was 26 to nothing through three quarters. And it could have been 38 to nothing if not for two or three red zone drops and missed plays by the Chiefs. Like, it was just a total no-show. And it was the type of game, I think, that could get coaches fired if the next couple of weeks are like this. Whew. What an embarrassment. I it's It shows you that even a team today, pick a team that we're super excited about, could be an epic disaster a year from now. It's like the Raiders we came in thinking. They haven't had major injuries that have set them back like some of these other teams. Derek Carr was an MVP-level quarterback last year, and the guy feels like he's fallen off a shelf to me. Well, I mean, what a letdown this season has been. I mean, they entered the season. They're done. A lot of forking them, yeah, by the way. I know they're only one game back. They're gone. The we, did, but they're done. we forked them back in the day, too, didn't we? Before the I don't deadline. Know. I don't even remember. Lindsay, uh, let us know if we forked the Raiders. <laughs> we did. I remember we did. Okay, good. Um, good job, guys. But, you know, the, he, Derek Carr suffered the ankle injury, the leg injury last season, got healthy, everyone excited about the team. They get Marshawn Lynch as the final piece. And then, like, in a game like this, uh, as they say, the game script changes, and Marshawn Lynch uh, only shows up in garbage time, basically, and they're not even competitive. It's just been such a well, the- bummer of a season for the Raiders and the people of Oakland who are losing this team, and this was supposed to be that, that bittersweet Super Bowl run year. And that's been part of the reason why I, I blame the coaching. Like, Marshawn Lynch was running great from the beginning of the game on, and they just went away from him so early, and Derek Carr was clearly not playing well. Uh, it was one of, you know, I think, his worst games uh, in the last few years, certainly missed receivers that were open. Rich Gannon, former Raiders quarterback, really killing Carr for not seeing guys that were open down the field. Like he, he just his mind was a little scrambled. Some some missed throws, some some picks, and give the Chiefs. Uh, well, here's what Derek credit. Carr had to say uh, after the game. It sucked. Uh, it wasn't good enough, and you put it all on me. Don't 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 you blame one coach, one player. It's all my fault. Ah, coach is off the hook, Greg. <laughs> so you put that to bed. <laughs> I'll put a little on the defense too. I mean, secondary is so so bad for that team. Guys are wide open for the Chiefs, and Chris Jones for the Chiefs had a monster game. Really ended uh, a bunch of drives and gives the Chiefs a chance here. As bad as this last six weeks have been, they can essentially win the division next week by beating the Chargers on at home Saturday. Ooh, on Saturday. Ooh, a little Saturday, Saturday football game. back. All right, that I like that. Uh, yeah, and it's it, we are sometimes too quick to write off teams. All took. Was the Chiefs winning a game, and all of a sudden it seems like they're in the, the driver's they're in the seat mix. again. I like the Chargers to win that game. I don't think they're as good a team, but if they do win that game, that will be a season sweep over the Chargers. You don't think the Chiefs are as good as Yeah, I don't think okay. the Chiefs are as good as the Chargers, but if they could somehow win that game, they're in great shape. All right, let's much, check. Go much ahead. better matchup than last year's Bryce Petty versus Matt Moore Saturday. Thank you. I'll never forget that matchup. <laughs> uh, I seriously don't even remember it happening. Uh, let's check in on the Chargers. Underneath center is Rivers, fakes the handoff, Ooh, no, that voice. right is Rivers, going deep, has a receiver, Tyrell Williams makes the catch, 25-20, to the house, Rivers to Tyrell Williams, 75 yards, knock on wood. Knock on wood. By the way, people, I, I, we didn't understand that the reference was tied to said song. But we've all heard that song. I've heard that song a thousand what times. What is the song? Knock, I, I saw knock, the tweet. Knock on wood. Amy Stunder. Give me more. Lightning. Give me more. The whole thing. Just give me a little more of the melody. I'm not. I'm not I a good singer. And some good. of the shoulder shaking you were just. <laughs> but it's like a it's a. I mean, it Hananos. I think we've heard that song t- probably twelve times. Yes. Is it like a '70s like pop mm. song? Well, and I've just been hearing it in the streets of L.A. Matt Money Smith clearly, 
you know, is getting it going. And now people are just saying it to each other outside of car. You know, as the That's cars go by, for. they're yelling it. It's, it's an influence. It's, Mad Money Smith's going to get an extra playoff game to announce as well. Think about that, too. Like, money, that's carefully chosen. Like, he he wants to have basically a, a, a catchphrase that he's known for. He's going with knock on wood, and I, I like it. I'm in. I, as, I, as, are we all signing yeah. off on knock on wood? I'm in. He I'm tapped in. into yeah. his musical background perfectly. All right, beautiful. Let's put a knock on wood on our countdown, uh, but I don't know if we've heard our best knock on wood yet, so let's keep our ears um, attuned. Anyway, Phil Rivers passed for 319 yards, two touchdowns. The Chargers continued to thrive. Four straight wins now, a 30-13 to win over the Redskins. Sizzler, the Chargers are the proverbial team nobody wants to play right now. They are, and, you know, instead of some sort of a letdown like you might expect from some of these teams to get hot for two weeks, then let go. An utter rampage in the first half. Mm. Five straight scoring drives. And they essentially, 354 yards in the first half, which is the most that the Chargers have had since 1991 and the most by any team in the first half since 2010. And it looked that way. And it wasn't just big plays. They had big plays, but they minced up Washington, a team that looks totally lost at sea over the last two weeks. Kirk Cousins, meanwhile, had 112 passing yards in the first half. I think maybe this Redskins team can come back. How do they answer? Seven passing yards in the third quarter. They never got anything going. There was never any threat of Washington getting into this game on any level. They didn't score at one point for something like 37 minutes. And L.A. at home in a stadium with a lot of Redskins fans in there took care of business, and they hammered this team. It was impressive to watch. This was an 0-4 team that has more opposing fans at their home games essentially don't have a home field advantage. They've climbed out of 0-4 to first place at 7-6. It's really impressive. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. They just had it, and we, we felt bad for that kicker, but a better kicker, and they are right in the mix for the uh, bye potentially. I mean, it's been that type of turnaround. Redskins had nine first downs. You don't see that too often where a team is in sin- single digits. I mean, they they – almost tripled them in total yardage. It was 11 first downs to one at one point. I mean, the Redskins had no game plan to get back into this game. And there was um, an interview. DJ Swearinger after the game repeatedly said that he knew this team was going to come out flat, the Redskins, because the way they looked in practice, they were blawed practice all week. That's not a great look for Jake Rudin. And again, you wonder if he is a guy to keep an eye on now as they've missed the playoffs two straight years and they're kind of stumbling down the stretch here. It could be a bloody Black Monday this year. I know they're always pretty bad. Got a couple, there are a lot got a couple, of names in the mix. A couple scenarios out of the way already. I think we maybe could get another one or two out of the way. Greg, you're the QB index guru. Is there a hotter quarterback over the past month than Phil Rivers? No. I mean, it's and it's the opposite of what his last few years have been. If you guys remember, he's come out hot where people are talking MVP through the first half of the season for two or three straight years, and then he's had a really tough, you know, closing stretch this year he starts out slow but no I think he's playing as well as any quarterback in the league over last month uh let's now check in oh oh yeah Chris Wesseling there he goes it's about time look at you flying love having Wes in the studio with us uh let's check in with another and another AFC wild card hopeful McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. 21-yard touchdown run by... 
by the Bills. They win it in overtime, 13-7. And a whole host of Bills are diving all over the snow and chasing down LaShawn McCoy as the Bills pull it out in overtime. Incredible game. John Murphy, WGR, with the call. Yes, LaShawn McCoy scored 21 yards out with 133 to play in overtime. And the Bills got out of Orchard Park in a blizzard, a 13-7 to win over the Colts. We'll forever remember this game, or at least I will, as the Blizzard Bowl. Um, there are snow games, and then there is what happened in <laughs> Western New York today. I, it was, and I watched this game closely uh, for, for this podcast, and the lake effect snow creates some of the most badass visuals you'll ever see in a football game. <laughs> the guys at NFL Films, assuming their cameras survived the weather, it was so cold and miserable uh, that the Telestrator didn't work in the CBS booth to give you an idea of everything that was going wrong. There was no way to tell where you were on the field. There was hardly any penalties because nobody knew really what was going on. Um, and yet, um, the Bills almost let their season slip away. It would have been so Billsian if it if it worked out that way because they had a seven nothing lead late in the game. Uh, the Colts score uh, with less than uh, a minute to play to make it seven six, and then the Colts and give them credit, they decide to go for two to win the game uh, because Adam Vinatieri uh, earlier in the game had badly missed a thirty three yard field goal, I believe, and. They do a really nicely executed play action, uh, successful two-point conversion to Jack Doyle, and 8-7 loss for the Bills to end their season would have been so Buffalo. Uh, but it was called uh, It was called back on eh, a questionable offensive Very pass Very questionable. They took away their – The Colts kind of got screwed One of only four penalties in the game, to your point. Yes, and so that pushed it back 10 yards. And then what does Adam Vinatieri do in the snow with games and seasons on the line? He makes field goals. He hooks one in the, the point like after amazing to, hook. to force overtime. There was, no ch- there, was, uh, there was no chance that thing was going through halfway there, and then it just hooked in like a slider – uh, to, to force <laughs> overtime, and then after um, both teams uh, traded possessions in overtime, including a very highly curious fourth and one punt from their enemy forty yard line by Sean McDermott, where it looked like that he was playing for the tie and he was going to get killed in in Buffalo for that. They end up getting the ball back again, and then Shady McCoy, um, who's done this before, dominated in the snow. Uh, made the big run. He went over 150 yards in this game, and um, it, it was a type of game where one player uh, likened it to running in sand, deep sand, because the snow, it was eight inches high. If you can imagine, eight inches, and it was coming down at such a rate. Just watching like the safeties on a couple plays that they that a running back did get a little yes. momentum, watching the safeties try to run after was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It was like a kid running through a snowstorm. The, they the, were like lifting their legs. The storm didn't start until an hour before kickoff, and then it never let up. And there was some thunder. It was thunder snow. Lake effect snow, That's man. It's no joke. That, the Bills survived. That Vinatieri extra point. Not, right. I can't think of too many moments in our newsroom that, was, that brought everyone to its feet. That was my favorite weirdly newsroom moment of the year because when he kicked it and it looked like he pushed it right, the entire room groaned. And I happened to look up and I saw Mark Sessler <laughs> just go, oh, just like throw his arms up. And he was really angry for some reason. I think he was just caught up in the moment, but yeah. he, he had a look of like anger and he just turned his 
whole body and Done with pet it. face away from it. Never saw it go in. Then heard everyone go crazy. And, he, <laughs> and Mark suddenly turns around. He's like, what? He made it. I'm oh like the God. guy that left like the game six of the of the Mets-Red Sox World Series in the fourth <laughs> inning. Chuck uh, Pollock, who has been following the Bills for over 40 years for the Olea Times-Herald, said it was the worst conditions he's ever seen hmm. in Buffalo. It's the worst I've ever seen for any football Steve game. Steve Tasker, no. who was down on the sideline for CBS, and he played there many years, as we know, uh, said he had never seen anything close to it. It was really a truly... Like if you want to, watch, if you've watched a million games in your life, you want to watch a unique football game. Uh, watch this Bills Colts game. But the game, I mean, that that's an important one for the Bills who <clears throat> remain in the mix. It came so close to getting away from them, and they don't win without Lashawn McCoy, who's had a nice, um, a, an amazing career. But he's really he continues to every season in Buffalo become the most important player there on offense. 156 yards. Um, that's the most he's ever had in Buffalo. And yes, that snowy Eagles game. Uh, from about four years ago, that was his career high. He went for 217. So whatever it is about snow, he loves it. He's a mutter. If you're one of those guys who thinks that football should be played under perfect conditions every time, stay far away from me. I don't want to be your friend. Mm. Games like this produce joy. They're fun. And every coach in the NFL knows he has to build a team that can survive in any element. And I should mention that Nate Peterman started this game because Tyrod Taylor was out with a bruised knee. Peterman suffered, I believe, what – they thought was a concussion, a head injury. So Joe Webb is in this game throwing passes down the stretch, and and as you can imagine, almost lost the game with for them. Yeah, he threw a bad interception that uh, Vinatieri had a chance to win the game and, and couldn't get it done. Or House guys would say no, Vinatieri, sorry, had a chance to win the game. So Joe Webb, starter or playing this week. Hopefully Tyrod Taylor is back next week for the Bills, but we shall see. How about how about Frank Gore? Unfortunately, yeah, boy. for his season. But he has the most carries he's ever had in a game, 36 carries. He had 140 yards from scrimmage. The Colts only had 227 as a team, and Frank Gore had 140 of them. Stephen Holder, their repeat reporter after the game, said they have never seen a running back more beaten up, uniform bloodied, black and blue all over. 37. John Riggins game. Most carries in a game by both teams, 97 carries, I think it was, since 1981. And I I know we should move, and I don't want to pile on too much, but Chuck Pagano. Greg, you want to talk about the feature you wrote on Frank? Chuck Pagano. (laughs) NFL.com slash Frank Gore. Got it. Chuck Pagano's (laughs) on the way out. He inexplicably let the clock run down at the end of regulation for no reason at all instead of trying to get the ball closer, and he apologized for it after the game. He had no answer. I'm telling you something. He just said I right. – He said oh, I – You know what it I is? He's a bad coach. It, yeah, but this is next level. Like, they just decide – they just let the clock eat him. run down. It was crazy. It was like a brain – I mean, there was a lot going wow. on in that game. You can't eat him. <laughs> cannot eat him, but you can fire him. Let's move on. Fourth down, and Mariota's most reliable target on the sideline after getting drilled. Three receivers to the right. Mariota backs up as he goes to throw over the middle. It's juggled. Incomplete. Oh, a late flag is thrown. Mm-mm. Tough loss for the Titans. Dave Pash, KTAR, with the call. The Cardinals shut down Marcus Mariota's latest comeback attempt, and Phil Dawson. Oh, Phil Dawson still kicking. Four second-half field goals. The Cardinals, a 12-7 win. Uh, if you want, you could say the Cardinals are on the fringes of the playoff race, but not really. But for the Titans, this was a very damaging loss for the Titans, who fall out of first place in the AFC Southwest. Uh, what did you see from Tennessee today? Well, the running game is still mired in the mud. They don't go anywhere. They averaged 2.84 yards per carry between Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray. 
Taylor Lewan, the really good left tackle, was out of the game early with a lower back injury. And Marcus Mariota threw two more interceptions. He told the broadcast crew, uh, Andrew Catalan and James Lofton, it's not a mystery, it's mechanics. He said, I'm throwing off my back foot, and that's on me. I take the blame, but mechanics are the issue with me right now. And you could see it in this game. The Titans' offense is a mess right now, and this stuff finally caught up to them. They weren't, you know, they've been so lucky against bad teams, and they they weren't lucky in this game. How often do you see a first half that produces nine punts, a short touchdown drive, and a missed field goal? Hmm. I Wes, they had two hundred. I, I don't think it's fair that you had to suffer through this game today. I believe you've been through enough. Eric, Derek Henry. <laughs> Scored a touchdown late in the first quarter, and, and I think their drives after that were three punts, two interceptions, a missed field goal, and maybe a fumbler. But they did nothing after that touchdown the rest of the game. Was they, this like the wild boar ragu of the second <laughs> schedule? I, I'm interested in this wild boar ragu. <laughs> it's, it's down there. It's a, it's, it's still, there's a lot lost. to get. It's still available. Something to keep an eye on is Mariota hurt his knee in this game, Mike Malarkey said, after the game in the first quarter and played through it. Stayed in to throw the final fourth down pass to cornerback Adore Jackson. Now, why you would have your cornerback as the intended target with the game on the line, I have no idea. You know, the Titans aren't quite in the playoffs yet. They're, I, no, they're not. I feel like, you know, I know they're, what are they, nine and, I mean, eight. They're eight and five. Look at their schedule. They're eight and five. They're at San Francisco, which isn't quite as easy as it's as it's been, and then they're home for the Rams and the Jags. If ever, oh. if ever there was a team that could lose four straight to fall right out of the playoffs, I think it's this Titans team. Certainly possible. <laughs> there would Great not be a surprise at all if Jimmy Garoppolo beat the Titans. Line. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't, doesn't get, let anybody beat him. The guy, he's never going to lose. Greg's column on AOL.com will be up tonight. Uh, let's move on. Snap, Trubisky. Going to keep it on the read action. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Touchdown Bears and Mitchell Trubisky in from the four. Mm, very exciting. Jeff Joniak, WBBM with the call. Uh, yes, Mitch Trubisky made some real hashtag strides on Sunday, throwing for one touchdown, running for another as the Bears whipped up on the Bengals 33-7 to in Cincinnati. Uh, this was the most lopsided Bears win in five years, gentlemen. As for the Bengals, six days ago, well, they were up, what, 17 nothing at the end of the first half against the Steelers. They looked like they were ready to make a charge in the playoff race. And now they are at rock bottom. And here is what our friend Marvin Lewis, who's finally appearing that he might be at the end of the unendable coaching reign. Uh, here's what he had to say at the uh, end of the game. Well, I'm a uh, uh, loss of words there, babe, today. Our football team, I, I thought, had a, a good week of preparation. And uh, we did not play uh, close to the kind of football to win the football game today we needed to. Wes, um, we could kind of stick a pin in this for after the season. Um, but I want you to just start working up your Marvin Lewis obit for his time in Cincinnati. Yeah, he's been. Seems like, like it's going to happen. He's been like Rasputin. I think they have Greg Rosenthal's favorite press conference of all time. Oh, yeah. With him and Mike Brown. The one where they. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the one where they. Where they were openly pissed at each other and to announce his contract, his new contract extension. Mike Brown hates <laughs> firing. That That's not toxic at all. <laughs> yeah, there's no West of us this year. Two years in a row without West of us. It's not the same, is it? It's like the year without Santa Claus. 
We almost need to like maybe find a backup to west of us, right? Because who knows? Cincinnati doesn't look any closer to going on another extended playoff run. No, yeah. we yeah. We talk about Black Monday having this all this activity. I think we could find out that John Fox and Marvin Lewis are gone long before the season ends. Interesting. All right, let's move on. Play action. Garoppolo boots left, throws to the far side, caught by Selleck, in for the touchdown. Touchdown, 49ers. Ted Robinson, KSAN with the call. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 334 yards. That's the best he's ever had. And a touchdown helping the San Francisco 49ers to another win, two in a row, 26-16 this time over the Houston Texans. Mark, by my logic, <clears throat> the Niners would be 14-0. Would that make sense? No. They would be 13-0. and Next week they would. They'd be right so now. powerful they would have played an extra game. <laughs> yes, they would have counted the last preseason game. Uh, they'd be 13-0 and right now if they traded for their quarterback before the season. That's the magic of Jimmy G. It's What's fascinating about Garoppolo in these first couple games is that, you know, last week we saw him play with, with uh, pace and he was efficient and, you know, looked like he had been there for months running the no huddle and doing really anything that Kyle Shannon would want a quarterback to do. In this game, more progress. He's really has so little around him, but like a some of the rare quarterbacks do, guys like Marquise Goodwin, who's had you know really Marquise Goodwin is is a good piece in that offense. But with Jimmy G, suddenly he's got a hundred yard game today. Kyle Juszczyk looked like a badass the entire time. It opens up the running game for Carlos Hyde. And what Jimmy G does is he produces points. He finishes drives. And he's, it, it, when they finally surround him with weapons, which could happen after this next draft and offseason cycle, this team, if you're a Niners fan, you have so much to be hopeful for. And there's a lot already that you're starting to see the elements week to week. And, you know, the Texans have a lot of issues. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is almost quarterback proof no matter what. Whoever who's in there, he is making incredible plays, but they just today could not get it done against the Niners, who I think with Jimmy G really feel like they could be, I don't know who's they, let's look at their schedule, but they, they couldn't get another two wins this season. That would I mean, be a it, best thing. And they've given me a lock two weeks in a row. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm not getting That's, off this train. You're going to keep up picking bad well, teams for the rest of the year? No, I like pick it. the Niners. Let me oh, see every who week. They, let me see who they got. Oh, okay. Tennessee. The Titans. I'm locking it up. Oh, <laughs> love it. Whoa, preemptive lock. I love it. Is that the first pre-week, like before we get to the week We're lock? Breaking, I love it. Absolutely. We're breaking boundaries. Craig had a pre-Thursday night lock. I hope mine goes a little better than that did. Yeah, that was that was the Redskins breaking Cowboys. boundaries in the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other uh, thoughts? Oh, so what was the situation with Tom Savage? A scary incident where he got taken down, uh, appeared to be shaking, almost having a seizure-like uh, motions, body motions, and he stayed in the game? Went into the tent, came back into the game. Left ultimately with a concussion, so I, you know, I don't know how these things it's are, not a are perfect looked si- at. It's not a perfect system. It's yeah, it was not a seamless. Uh, I don't know. They, Bill I think O'Brien they, after the game just said, "Well, I just coach. I don't have anything to do." Yeah, I could say a lot of people are going to right, not take accountability for this one, but who knows? Maybe, maybe he told them he was fine. Maybe he passed test A. Where's the common not, sense? Test? Just he, did not look right. He passed the first one, and then somehow it was clear he actually did have a concussion. Rap Sheet reported that the NFL has initiated a review of all aspects of the protocols and procedures relating to Tom Savage. There you go. There you go. So we'll check in uh, on uh, if that leads to any changes in the process. Uh, Anything else from this game, Mark? Uh, No. I would say if you're a Niners fan, put it on loop and start to feel excited about next season. Very good. The Niners have become my go-to Sunday night game pass game. Yeah. Wow. I want to see what Jimmy G does. Yeah. 
Very good. All you right. Won't be, you won't be disappointed. Well, we're all looking forward to it. Let's move on. <laughs> Simeon once again in the gun. Quick pressure on Simeon, who throws the ball towards DT. And DT adjusts and makes the catch. Touchdown, Denver, with a penalty flag thrown. That was an unbelievable throw under pressure by Trevor Simeon. Dave Logan, KOA, with the call. Trevor Simeon threw for 200 yards on the nose and that touchdown to Demaryius Thomas. And the Rocky Mountain Avalanche completely shut down the Jets. Global warming is a myth. Oh, no. In a 23 nothing win. Well, let's not keep, continue to spread that, shall we? At mile high. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. The Broncos snapped their longest losing streak, which was eight, uh, since 1967. So since they joined the NFL in the year of our Lord, 1970, Chris Wessling. <laughs> Before I was born. Save for the theology podcast. Anyway, the, uh, the Jets just didn't show up in this game. Uh, I did lock them up. It was kind of a showing of support for my favorite team, although I've never really been confident in them. And they did not um, – they didn't come through. They finished with 100 yards of total offense, in fact. They had minus 14 yards at the end of the first quarter. Oi. Uh, How many yards of total offense? A 100 on the nose. What? They, they – at the lowest all year? If they would have gotten one less yard, it would have been just the second time in the history of the organization, which spans about 60 years, that they had less than 100 yards of offense. Nothing was working. Uh, Josh McCown broke his left hand. He got beat up in this game. He looked, He didn't play well. No one played well. He took some shots and then uh, suffered a hand injury. After the game, he was fighting back tears, as you discussed um you know, the feelings he was having about it. what was a career best season that now may be over, depending on uh, what what they decide. Uh, but it's very possible that his season is done uh, after week 14. Bryce Petty actually came into this game and did nothing. So the Jet fans that want to see Bryce Petty, you might see Bryce Petty and you may not like what you see. So the Jets um, fall to five and eight. And with games, the remaining schedule at New Orleans, home to Chargers at Patriots. Ouch. 5-11 and 11 is very possible. And I don't know if that's good enough for Todd Bowles. Really? We'll see what happens. I don't know. If they lose out, I still think he's in danger. I think he needs to win one of these games to be truly safe. That sounds great, but who are you going to get better than him? I don't know. But we never know. I don't know. It could be somebody out there. Jets probably wouldn't get him, but I'm sure there's somebody that's better than Todd Bowles. I'm not a huge fan. Vance Joseph, by the way, could use a couple more of these before New Year's Day. Uh, but, I'm not sure he's going to get them. But. Yeah, but this was a, exactly the, a game in which there were a lot of unused tickets at Mile High, which probably doesn't sit well with ownership. Um, they actually uh, showed up on defense, which they hadn't done, and Tra- Trevor Simeon actually looked okay in this game. Hey, Team Tread, the if, Trev Express is back. <laughs> if I remember correctly, is. As soon as you locked up this game, Mark said, this team is doomed. <laughs> well, because you locked it. Yeah, I kind of I kind of shot at your locking skills when I believe you lead all of us. So, yeah, yeah, I never felt confident really in the lock, but it just it seemed fun to support the Jets and what would have kept them in the playoff race uh, before uh, we get to Sunday night football. I think this is the last time we're going to hear from Keith this season um, because the Jets will not have relevant football uh, after what happened today. So let's let's hear what Keith had to say. I told, I said in this podcast last week that I want my, my dad to share his actual feelings. And I'm hoping, because he should, knowing my dad, he should be pretty mad about how this game turned out. Let's hear what Keith had to say. His name is Keith. His dad's dad. No doubt about it, he's a big. 
fan What is he gonna say about the game today? What is he gonna say about the game today? Today's Jets game, 23-0, was a total disgrace. Uh, it was pathetic. Uh, I don't know uh, why, once again, the Jets come out of the locker room sleeping where, you know, they've been able to overcome that in some recent games. But today, once again, it was, uh, they just came out sluggish, and the other team got ahead, and this time they weren't able to do anything. 98 total yards offensively. Defensively, it appeared to me like most of the team had given up. And I have to say, Bowles looks totally clueless on the sideline. That's him and his coaching staff. Uh, that doesn't like that. It appeared to me that McGowan was injured earlier on a scramble where I think they should have pulled him. He obviously wasn't the same guy that he's been. And even though Petty didn't show much today, where was the coaches talking to each other about what was going on? So, terrible, terrible game today. But maybe we're expecting too much from this team. All right. Thanks. You know what I cannot wait for? You know, the Jets public relations department uh, has been at times a tad sensitive to <laughs> us when we write about them. You could say that. What does NFL media do when they get a complaint about Dan's dad? <laughs> <laughs> How do they handle that? There's no way to handle I that. Kinda, he, is, he, is in a, he is in a punishment-free zone. I feel He's a like, man. yeah, I think, I think dad is bulletproof. Now, <laughs> could, could uh, old Danny boy... Take some fire. You could be watching the next three games with your dad <laughs> back in the childhood bedroom. All right, let's move on. Oh, let's talk about Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best heated clothing. That's right, heated clothing powered by rechargeable batteries. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you warm even in the most frigid winter weather Oh, my goodness. Action Heat Clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels in your pants. Similar to a heated car seat, uh, which I am known to flip on by accident. You are, you as are. we just recently yes. talked about uh, old wolf blood over here. Uh, they can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by a rechargeable low-voltage battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge. Perfect for any friend or... Enemy? Gonna go straight. Family on your holiday gift list, available in men's and women's styles and starting at just $39.99. I have not tried Action Heat clothing. I believe some should be shipped our way so we can talk about it. But I would think this would be a good product if you're going to a football game, hey, maybe in January during the playoffs, and you want to keep your buttocks warm. Chuck Pagano might have made better decisions at the end of the game. Sometimes a hot butt isn't the worst thing. Hot butt's not the worst thing. Sometimes people say... I don't want a hot butt. Chuck Pagano. I don't want a hot butt. Wrap me up in clothes. Jack Del Rio. To don't want a hot butt. Yeah. Sometimes you want a hot butt. Yeah. All right. Now we've got a special deal for listeners to save 15% off your entire order. Just go to action-heat.com slash around to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's action-heat.com slash around or use the coupon code around at checkout to save 15%. Uh, stay warm this winter with Action Heat and we thank them. For sponsoring the podcast. All right. Okay, let's move on. Oh, Sunday night. Roethlisberger, deep down the right sideline. Antonio Brown. He's amazing. Beast car on the play. Brown, 213 receiving yards tonight. Unbelievable. Al Michaels. 
uh, NBC with the call. Antonio Brown could not be covered once again, this time by a vaunted Ravens defense, his 34-yard uh, reception down the right sideline late in the fourth quarter, set up Chris Boswell's go-ahead field goal, and then the Steelers held on uh, for a 39-38 to win, a game in which they overcame a nine-point deficit uh, with less than six minutes to play in this game. Ben Roethlisberger, 44 of 66 for 506 and two touchdowns. And yes, Antonio Brown, 11 for 213 uh, on 18 targets. Chris Wessling had to get going. So the uh, three amigos will close this one out. Mark, the Steelers, you just can never count them out Was when Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger are just playing catch. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for a while people playfully talked about Antonio Brown as an MVP candidate and... You have to take the concept seriously. We've watched this. They've been on primetime week after week at this point. Four weeks. Weeks. They're America's team. And it's been fun. It's been a fun four weeks with this team. And listen, they absolutely, considering what's happened to this team over the last seven days, the way they came back from a deficit against the Bengals on the hardest night you could ask for as, as a team to do what they did on Monday night, and then to turn around and erase an 11 and then a nine point deficit. You know, as the game ticked away with the Ravens marching up and down the field on Pittsburgh's defense, their offense tonight, you have to look at this team and say they could beat anyone in the league on the right night. We'll have to see what happens against New England. Who? The, the Steelers. The can Steelers beat can beat anyone on any night with this with this passing game. And yet they were trailing in this game by nine points with seven minutes to go. You know, they were trailing by more late in the third quarter, and all along, Mark Sessler is watching it, saying Steelers are going to win this game. With dread. You know, just just so annoyed at the Ravens for every missed up they made. And when the final drive starts, you just said, put six guys on Antonio Brown. Do anything but let Antonio Brown beat you. And it's gotten his magnificence has gotten almost so predictable that – you tweeted out, Dan, right before Antonio Brown made that catch. You said, why do I feel like a 37-yard throw to Antonio Brown is coming? 34 yards the next play down the sidelines. you got to find a way to not let him beat you. And yet, that's easy to true, say. Like, true greatness just can't be stopped. Yeah. Truly great all-time receivers, which Antonio Brown is. And we've been talking about that a lot the last few weeks because there have been so many primetime games. They always get open. And there was a key play on that last Steelers scoring drive, third and 13, where they did bracket up Brown and took him out of the equation. Yep. And then Roethlisberger, to his credit, and Roethlisberger played a brilliant game in this, down the stretch here. He found, I believe it was Vance McDonald over the middle. No, it wasn't Vance. Jesse James. It was, Jesse, it was James. Jesse James over the middle. Tough throw. Uh, to convert that first down. And once they got that, you started to feel like they were going to be able to march the ball, and then a few plays later, there's Antonio Brown. So, I mean, on the Steelers' side, it really it puts them, sends them into that Patriots game, which is going to be one of the biggest games of the season for any team, uh, with a lot of confidence that they could overcome anything. And on the Ravens' side, they're still in good shape. When you look at their schedule, they're 7-6, and six, and this loss hurts. But they still, I think, have a good chance of qualifying for the playoffs um, if they take care of business. But all that talk about the Ravens' defense, Mark, being – this uh, great unit that could be stacked up with all those Ray Lewisties. Stop. They get a stop in this spot, and they just couldn't get it done. It's, uh, you know, there was one pass on Pittsburgh's final drive where Big Ben threw an errant floater. And yeah. had a Ravens safety been 
10 Ed Reed would have had it. Yeah, I mean, in a different direction. <laughs> that game would have been over, Absolutely and we'd be talking right. about Pittsburgh's epic collapse. But listen, this is how it ended. I mean, it was bizarre to watch the ball. You know, Flacco lost the ball, the fumble on, the, the, on Baltimore's final shot down the field. It dribbles out of bounds, and they're <laughs> in the huddle as the game clock yeah. ticked off. They didn't realize that was happening. They lost themselves but, at the end here. But ultimately, if I'm a Ravens fan watching the last two weeks, he scored 82 points. I'm feel, this, this loss hurts, and it makes you wonder about their defense, certainly. But you got to feel good that your offense has finally woken up. Your next three games are against some cupcakes. You got the Browns. Sorry, Mark. Uh, you got the Colts and the Bengals. They're going to win those three games. This team is dangerous. I think they can. That's fi- an insult to cupcakes. <laughs> I think they can fix their defensive problems. The the fact that they've been able to run the ball and Flacco, while few missed throws late in the game, overall has been much better the last. Alex week. Collins can play. He was running hard and making people miss. So like th- those are. Those are positives, I think, if you're a Ravens fan. Like, that they're, they're going to be a scary team, I think, going on the road to whoever they have to face in the division. I'm already putting them in the playoffs. Well, they're, yeah, they're in. Ravens fans are going to need about 72 hours to stay off any sort of football media outlet and just let this thing deal with. But you're going to close out the season if you don't trip okay. up 10-6. and six, and, you, and tonight shows you that you can hang with what might be the best team in the AFC. It's crazy, though, that this used to be like the ultimate you know, AFC North smash mouth. Hey, let's finally see some real football with some you know hard-nosed defenses in the, up in the AFC North. Forget about that. It was a fun game, and um, you said it, uh, Mark, while we were watching the end of this game, how all these incredible games, including this game, it's unfortunate that the, the Carson Wentz situation kind of uh, – tempers everything, but this was a banger of a week with a lot of great endings. Best week of the year. Terms of in terms of games, I don't know. I mean, I would even go back to last year and say early on we could not we were watching four or five games at the same time, watching them, you know, conclude dramatically. The late games were great. This was the one of the best Sunday night games of the oh, year. Yeah. So what more can you ask for outside of wins? And the Jaguars are probably bummed because if the Steelers don't find a way in this game and then can't beat the Patriots next week, the Jaguars maybe sneak into the second seed. Mm-hmm. Now that feels like a long shot with the Steelers getting this win. But season's not over. Things can happen. But uh, that's it for, for us. That's, that's our show for Sunday. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Often imitated, um, never duplicated. Never. Don't uh, try ne- to do it. Yeah, next time you hear from us, it will be uh, on Tuesday. It will be the video show with Connie Fox and hopefully Wes, but definitely Connie. But until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm. Uh, the mailman, Nick Shook in absentia. The old boss and Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.